Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. From the Apostrophe Podcast Network. They all come from the unknown north. Talent, drive, and a pride worth paying for. But just because they're above the 49th parallel, it doesn't mean we shouldn't celebrate them just as well. So give it up for these Canucks, because our self-promotion sucks. And if they all went away, we sure wouldn't miss them. The Canadian Star System. Hello, and welcome back to the Canadian Star System, a podcast where we speak with some of Canada's most talented people and try to figure out what makes them so good and what makes Canada so bad at celebrating our own. Each episode, our star not only shines, but shines their spotlight on another talent who they know is a star worthy of wishing the best of success. I'm your host, Steve Patterson, which roughly translated in Spanish means Enrique Iglesias. And with me, as always, is my producer, the woman who I enjoy stressing out all the time by having well over 11,000 unread emails, Diana Francis. Hi, Diana. Why did you have to say you started with that? You just started the podcast by stressing me out. 11,000 unread emails and about 10,900 are from me. There are a lot of them, but I know that you will, like, I'll be talking to you. I know that. So I prefer... The spoken message, you know, I like to speak to people. So if they wrote me something in an email, I feel that we'll talk about it sometime in the future. And if not, then it wasn't worth the writing of it. Am I right? You are. You are correct. You are correct, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) I know that hurt you to say. (laughs) Hey, I have a question for you to start before we start the actual interview. How do you feel about boats? Oh, interesting question. I love boats, but I have a problem with boats because I get really wicked motion sickness. Mm. And about a decade ago, I spent almost a full year on cruise ships working for Second City doing sketch and improv. About 50% of the time, 
seconds before we got introduced on in the big main stage, beautiful theater, 700 people sitting there. We're all in our, you know, very nice, fancy black dresses. I would be on the floor in the wings, curled up in a tiny little ball, (laughs) just begging the cast not to speak to me. Don't make me open my eyes. And then they'd go, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the second city. And I'd bound up and I would do the show and feel great. And then I would have a 20 minute window to get back to my room. And then the adrenaline would wear off and I would uh, throw up. So I love boats, but I can't be on them. And you would do that for months at a time? Like I would how do long that for were months, these tours? Like four and a half month contracts. And I did them for almost a year straight. I don't understand you. Like I don't, I mean, that's dedication to the craft and I admire it, but I just don't. I don't understand. It's it's usually for people, it's nerve wracking enough performing, let alone improvising. So you don't even know what you're going to be doing necessarily when you're performing. And then to add seasickness on top of that on a boat makes you seem like, and I just want, I don't want this to come out in the wrong way, an insane person. Well, when you get to spend three or four days a week on the beach in Tortola, St. Thomas, Barbados, Antigua, you forget about the motion sickness until it happens again right. and you how do you feel about boats i don't like them i don't like oh. boats i uh, i don't swim and i feel like uh, if i was surrounded by water that's just tempting fate so i've gone fishing a few times in my life i also don't like fishing because i don't like swimming and i don't like boats so it limits the option for fishing so i am not a fan of boats i'm a land lover you know maybe we'll get some angry letters from boat people i understand there's lots of great things about boats and we might get into it today. Who knows? This could be foreshadowing, but I'm not a fan of boats. Wow. I think it is an excellent foreshadowing for our next guest. <laughs> you know what? Let's get right to it, shall we? Not only is she a hilarious playwright, which some people might not even have known, but obviously a fantastic comedian and writer. She is currently living and working from a sailboat somewhere in one of the oceans with her husband, two children, and a dog, which they recently rescued, while working remotely as a co-executive producer and correspondent for Full Frontal with Sam B. It's Canada's own Alana Harkin! Yay! Alana! Hello! Ahoy! (laughs) Ahoy! Ahoy from Canada! How are you? That was quite an intro, you two. Way Way to build a segue. It, and I understand that not only do you have two children, a husband and a dog, but you have two fish on yeah. your boat. That just seems like torture. They're so close to being free. <laughs> I know. It seems really unfair. I know. I know. They're well taken care of, if that if that means anything. Uh, I mean, we're not going to narc on you. We're not going to have the Canadian Navy board the ship and take the fish. <laughs> <laughs> if that's what you were worried about. I believe we still have a Navy. I'll have to fact check that. Alana, <laughs> thank you so much for being with us and making the time in an obviously very busy schedule. And thanks for saying hi to us back here in Canada, because we know that you're based in New York, usually when you're not floating around uh, at sea with the top show. <laughs> we're going to get to uh, a lot of things. I have a personal little anecdote that I want to ask you about first. We met briefly oh. a few years ago at a Canadian Screen Awards industry night. This is going back probably six or seven years. And we met briefly. I was very honored that I was hosting the show and you had come up and said kind things. And literally, you were maybe the only one listening. It was you and Eugene Levy were the only ones that came up and said, and were obviously paying attention to things. Everyone else in the room that were all nominated for Canadian Screen Awards was either at the bar 
during the presentation of anything that wasn't their own category, or they were scarfing hors d'oeuvres or stuffing them into hockey bags to take home. (laughs) Now, my question to you, because you've been to several awards shows now in Canada and internationally with many Emmy nominations, is it just Canadian entertainers that make a tough crowd or are entertainers, in your experience, a tough live crowd? Oh, very judgy crowd, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In their defense, they are there for the free booze. Because, (laughs) you know what I mean? That is a huge part of it. It'll never not shock me being at the Emmys and seeing once a a certain category um, has been announced and people know they haven't won. I'm talking like 25 people just get up from the row and go out to the bar. Like in a grand (laughs) statement of, we don't care what else is happening. (laughs) We didn't win. Now we're going to the bar. So I wouldn't take it personally. It's competing against booze. But I'm glad that I was Canadian enough. People think that Canadians are just the nicest people in the world to make sure that I complimented you on your your great work that I don't remember, but I'm glad I did it. <laughs> you know what? I've put out of my mind what it was even about. You out Canadian to room full of Canadians. So I do want to thank you for that. Well, I was probably trying to get you to hire me for the debaters, <laughs> which you didn't. So, you so I guess this is the time for me to say that I read all my emails. i'm happy to say i don't produce the show so that i can get out of awkward conversations like this i'm totally kidding i would have lost i would have been terrible you know what let's we're on the canadian swing of things here i didn't know until doing research for this that you're originally from hamilton ontario the hammer i am i am i'm a i'm a steel town girl so i will fight you if i need to (laughs) I I i have to it's part of how you survive in Hamilton. Uh, yeah, I'm from Hamilton. And it's so funny because, you know, I couldn't wait to get out of Hamilton. And now I am so, I defend Hamilton with every inch of my being. You know, when people make fun of Hamilton, like, I'm just like, well, you know what Hamilton has? More waterfalls than you. So <laughs> I. <laughs> you know, a lot of Toronto artists are now buying homes and moving to Hamilton because it's much more affordable. Yeah, I know there are great people from Hamilton already, but I think it's actually a really burgeoning art scene in Hamilton, Ontario. Yeah, it always has been. It actually always has been. Like they, we have uh, an amazing theater. Hamilton Place has always hosted like the opera, the Philharmonic. It's always been that. Actually, it's just now people are, you know, it's amazing art gallery. I'm glad that people are giving Hamilton the Canadian star treatment that it deserves. How's that for a second? I think that's a great answer. It's a great <laughs> soundbite. We should get the entire town of Hamilton on this show if we can. The, the Arkells are from Hamilton as well. So just another feather in the cap. Now you went to uh, New York City. That's where you write and perform Full Frontal with Samantha Bee when mm-hmm. you're not floating around. And be, I have many more boat questions. I just want to get to the land ones first. Can we backtrack a little bit? How did someone with a master's in fine arts from York University, get to Mm -hmm. the top, top ranks of a late night show in New York City? It's a very, very good question. I think a lot of people know that Sam and I were in a sketch shoot called The Atomic Fireballs with Mm -hmm. uh, Sarah and Fiona Carver. And we performed for years in Toronto at the Rivoli, which I I see is for sale. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that. So we've always, we've always worked together. We've always read each other's material. We did a blog together. 
So when she got a show and, you know, when, as you both know, when you kind of book a gig like that, you have to surround yourself with the people that you know are going to bring what you need. She asked if I would come work on the show, which I absolutely definitely wanted to, because it was a world that I didn't know a lot about because we don't really, we don't have it in, in Canada in the same way. And there was really no opportunity for me to figure out how that sort of world works. And so it's been a really amazing, we're on our sixth season, which is wild when I think about it. It's just gone so fast and it's been bananas. It was so much more intense than I thought. And I, and I know so much about this country, almost too much. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's been a blast. And basically when the pandemic hit, we all went into lockdown and there was all these things that we wanted to do. Like we wanted to go to the Georgia runoffs. We, we, there's, there's lots of places that we needed to get to or a late night show. And as a correspondent, I travel all around the States to do pieces. And so besides the fact that it was a pandemic and I was completely fearful, I did pitch to the show. I'm like, what if I sail to, to Georgia? What if I just get on a boat? I know, right? <laughs> that is actually very Canadian. If you, if anyone who is a Canadian comedian listening to this podcast understands that you need to do everything and know mm-hmm. how to do everything and just move mountains to make anything happen. So for me, it was very natural to go like, you know, why don't I just sail like a thousand nautical miles? <laughs> and i'll just get there that way but also you know we we were living in brooklyn and brooklyn was very much hit by the pandemic and it was kind of scary to be honest with you and we just thought this is actually something we've always wanted to do as a family we're i don't get seasick i love boats i know how to swim so and so does does, you're you're everything that we're not i get it So the second city didn't hire me to do to do comedy on a boat. So I had to figure out how to do it on my own <laughs> because that gig sounds awesome. But yeah, so so basically we did we kind of sailed down sailed down the coast and to be honest with you the work was so much more intense this year working remotely because usually we would just be all in each other's business in an office or in the studio and it just required so much more work to make something like this happen. But it was really exciting, believe it or not. Like we were all terrified, but at the same time, it was one of those, okay, here's a massive obstacle. How do we do this? How do we get back on the air? And we and we figured it out pretty, pretty quickly. So it, it's been a pretty wild ride. And yeah, and, and I'm actually I'm in Charleston right now and I am shooting a piece tomorrow. So this is been great. <laughs> it's it's actually okay to say where you are now because by the time people hear this, I assume the boat will have moved. <laughs> so that, or we could, you know we could where I'll be. Where? I will be in Canada. Will you? You coming home for the summer? I have to. I have not seen my family in a year and a half. Right. All my family's there. My husband's family is all there. And it's painful. I go to Canada a lot. And I haven't been there in a year and a half. And usually when I cross the border, every time I've crossed the border, actually, maybe, maybe a few times, no. But anytime by car... The customs officer has always said, welcome home. And I'm just like, <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen this time. We're going to get out of the car and hug him or something or hug her. Surefire way to get pulled over to the secondary inspection. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm gonna make it com- it's going to be a complete disaster. Let's jump right to this if we could. You mentioned that, you know, you and Sam have come up together, certainly. And amazing that Sam 
brought you on to work on that team, which is doing so incredibly. Two questions. First of all, why has it taken till now for a female-led late-night show to be given an opportunity? And now, because of the work that you guys are doing and trailblazing, is that going to open up new opportunities, do you think? Hmm. Maybe. Well, misogyny, the patriarchy. Yes. The patriarchy is real. And we've all done such a great job to bend to it. So it's it's a real it was pretty big when we when we launched. It felt like we were really challenging people and people's perception and which also confused me greatly because I'm like, so much of my work is with women. Hilarious, funny women. So it's it's not odd to me whatsoever that a woman would helm a a show and a late night show, but it was definitely a new space for for us to take up some oxygen. And I feel like, yeah, there's definitely the space for it. It's just whether, you know, broadcasters are going to carve out that space. It's, you know, we can only, as people who make shows and write shows, and we can only do so much, you know what I mean? Like we can... We can come up with a million ideas. And and I completely understand so much of what we do is also about timing. But there's, you know, we just need the broadcaster to say, yes, like, let's do this. Like, let's give it space. And I have to give a lot of credit to TBS who picked up the show because they were incredibly and still are incredibly supportive. And they've always let us do what we've wanted to do. They've always trusted us. They've always said, you know what? We actually have never had a, a late night show before. So we can't really tell you how to structure this in a way that, you know, that will make it any better than what you're suggesting. So <laughs> so they, they they really gave us a lot. I mean, of course they have they absolutely have notes and we deal with their lawyers. So they're like, uh, you know, Alana, can you please not say that thing? And I'm like, okay, fine, I'll remove that from the piece. Fair enough. <laughs> I hope that there's, there's, I mean, there should be, I think we see a lot of change happening in entertainment in the States. Anyway, I don't, you'd have to speak to Canada. It's a different animal in, I'm used to a different machine now, to be honest with you. This is a great segue because in addition to all the the challenges that we talk about that would have been gone through for no real reason other than, as you say, the misogyny of the entertainment industry for a woman-led show and a woman-staffed show to be doing so well. Why in Canada, in all this time, have we not been able to do that? You say it's a different machine. What exactly does that mean? And can we shift the machine? Because that's a lot of what this show is, is about addressing, is seeing if Canada can get that kind of system. A system of what like a system of <laughs> a system of, of making shows giving them the budget they need to to look right putting them in slots and giving them the chance the time slots yeah. i should say giving them a chance to succeed alongside their american counterparts especially in late night but in in all sorts of of genres you know they say that we don't they get angry at canadian shows not having the chance of an American show, but the development system, for instance, is so different. I, I think we have one in Canada, but it's hard to mm-hmm. say. Maybe maybe yourself and Diana can talk about this because I know that you guys have worked together on mm-hmm. things and the development system in Canada yeah. seems to seems to be lacking. Yeah. Well, Diana and I have talked so much about this. I feel like we're on many similar journeys that will one day <laughs> end up with us in the same room making something. <laughs> but we're both going to be 82. <laughs> That's yeah, all right. Golden Girls. The Golden yes. Girls show. Watch that. 
I wish I had an answer for that, Steve. Like, I wish I could tell you this is it exactly. And this is what needs to happen. But I actually don't know. There's so much success that has come out of Canada, yes, especially lately, that, you know, the proof is in the pudding that the talent is all there. Yeah. It's a lot harder to get into a room than it is in the States. It seems a lot more work, which is a bit surprising to me. I think that the possibility is all there. And and maybe because we've, you know, we've all worked in this comedy industry for so long now, I never lose hope. Like I always feel like something is going to give. Something fabulous is still going to happen because you have to. Otherwise, we would be, oh my gosh, where would <laughs> we'd we stop. be? We'd stop trying. Right? <laughs> oh, all the rejection, all the, you know, because there's so because when it's when it's perfect and when it's not perfect, but when it's like when everything aligns, there's nothing better. Mm-hmm. When everything aligns and then there's a perfect, like I've shot pieces for the show where I've watched the piece afterwards. I'm like, everything lined up. And it, honestly, even thinking, uh, like it gives me goosebumps. I'm like, everything lined up. And it's so we find these sweet spots. That's why we don't, you know, have these moments of, of oh, this is so hard. I'm going to go, I'm going to go do something different because we remember what it could be. So I don't know what I, there's so few people to pitch to in Canada as well. The doors are opening. There's, you know, I hear Amazon is expanding and and they have some great people who are working for them and they really, really want to create Canadian work. I'm really curious to see if that is going to really change things because they, the Amazon's coming in looking for very Canadian specific content. Mm. Just going back to what you were talking about, like about the, the fact that we have no late night shows, which is the swear to God, the bane of my existence. (laughs) That Mm -hmm. I would love to see Amazon be the first ones to pick up a late night Mm -hmm. show or to pick up that sort of variety political content. The broadcasters here are always saying you can't do that kind. It's hard to do it because if it's after, you know, 1030 p.m., it doesn't get the same kind of funding that, you know, because it's not prime time and you can't bump off the national. So what else when else are you going to have it? And because we get all of the American shows as well, the mm-hmm. Canadian executive mindset is, well, we can't ever compete with those numbers. Which is, I, I, I really don't believe. I, as right. somebody who's been living and working in the States in late night, I should just honestly start screenshotting all of the messages I get from Canadians. <laughs> Why, you know, because can any to everybody watches Full Frontal and The Daily Show and they watch John Oliver and they know so much about what's going on in the States. And if I turn to them and I'm say, explain the Canadian Senate to me, hardly anyone has that answer. Right. And so what's exciting, <laughs> I follow up what's exciting after the Canadian Senate, but it <laughs> that is, is true. A, that's, that's a literal oxymoron. Yeah, go. There's so many things that have not been told. There's so many stories. I wholeheartedly agree with you. And I want to just put this question to you. Because this conversation happens a lot with Canadian creatives, right? We, we, we wonder, why isn't this being made? Why isn't there a better system? Mm-hmm. Is it a matter of we don't have enough creatives becoming mm-hmm. executives or being given the opportunity? Because mm-hmm. I know, and I'm not saying that all Canadian executives aren't creative in some way, but I am saying that often people in positions of decision making don't have uh, a creative background at all. Mm. And you're you're pitching them an idea and it's like, 
pitching a, an idea for a great car to a heart surgeon or something. They, they just, it's different <laughs> fields. Do we need more creative executives? I'm not sure because everyone that I work with in the US and at Warner, a lot of them have just gone to Harvard for business. Okay. And the one thing that they're very good at is going, you're the creative person. What do you think? And then they, of course, can look at, they're looking at it something totally different. They're not looking at like, oh, is this show like cool? And is it going to be funny? It's like, how will it sell here? What will it do here? Right. It's a relationship. But the one thing that I, that I have felt more working in the States is a true level of honesty of like, you know what, Alana, like, I love this idea. I think it's really great. It's not going to work here. It's not going to do this here. What can we do to like just a real kind of lay it on the table, which I work really well with that as opposed to, you know, kind of circling the issue. And then like, I've had, I've had shows in Canada where I've, where it's gone through development and I still don't know why it didn't get picked up. Right. Because, but I'm so fine. Like, as we all know, a no is as good as a, as a yes at many points, but you would need to know why. Like, right. Because you want, you ultimately want to take this somewhere else. And it's always helpful to know why. I've, I haven't worked with anyone in Canada that I thought wasn't passionate about the work, that wasn't passionate about making shows. I just feel like there was, you know, well, we can't do it because of this and we can't do it because of this. So if you get a television show made in Canada, it is an actual miracle. Like it is, it is, <laughs> you have achieved something so spectacular that I can't help but be happy for people when that happens because I know how hard they worked to make this happen or they struck gold and they just went in there and, you know, which does not happen very often, but it has happened. It's a bit distressing to me in some ways that we're still having the same conversation yeah. year after year after year after year after year. So I would love to see what the change is. And I would love to be part of that conversation. If anyone, you know, like we're doing right now to help move that along. But is it, you know, is it an attitude? Because like even when I'm in the States, I love talking to people about Canada. I do it constantly. Every piece that I shoot, it ends up coming up that I'm from Canada because I do a lot of like things about voting and I can't vote here, which is right. really tough on me because it's really all I talk about, <laughs> you know, and, and I find people asking me, describe Canada, describe Canada. And, you know, I, I struggle with that sometimes because I... There's so much I absolutely like, you know, heart, heart and soul loyal to the, to the day I die. Love it. But what is Canada or ex the explanation of Canada and how things work in Canada is such a fascinating topic because there's so many layers deep to it that we're starting to talk about things more now about like who we are, how we got here, what haven't we talked about, who's suffering from the choices that we've made, you know, who really benefits from not having electoral reform? Why do we talk about it constantly and it never changes? So like there, there's little things that, but the thing is, is that like, I, I find that sometimes when I, when I speak to people here, they can explain things a little bit more, whereas not as much with like, just even my friends, you know, when I, I, cause I love throwing out these questions, like what is, what is electoral reform? Like I have absolutely no clue. <laughs> I have absolutely no clue. I know it comes up every time we have an election, but I have absolutely no idea what it is and why no one will deal with it. And why Elizabeth May was always screaming about, it. like, I have no idea. 
I mean, listen, this is a conversation that we probably should segue to a restaurant and talk about for another 12 hours. We can't solve it in one conversation, but it's nice to keep them going. We've got to get to your the guest that you've kindly brought us today. I could this is fascinating. Mm. I could I could talk to you uh till till you were tired of talking, Alana Harkin, and I don't know. I'm so I'm so sorry that I that I I have so much to say on no, this I love topic it. and and there's so many incredible, but I don't want to take away from the people who are full-fledged stars in our country and they really are and they deserve all the accolades that that they've received you know it's it's there it's and it's exciting and i'm so happy to see people succeed because it's again it's so much work <laughs> it is it is and to the ones that are kind i do wish that exact same thing and to the ones that are not to the ones that are not Fair. i think they should be sentenced to one night of hosting the canadian screen awards industry night <laughs> That's what I that think. That is excellent that's, punishment. That's fair. We'll be right back after we reincorporate something from the chat you just heard for a fake ad you're about to hear. Plus, maybe a real ad if we have enough new subscribers. Hey, Diana. Today's fake ad is a very important one. Ooh, okay, cool. I mean, I think all of them are important because I write most of them, but go on. Today, I want to talk about a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. Sounds serious. Continue. Canada doesn't have a late night talk show. And that, my friend, is a national tragedy. Oh, God, Steve, you are right. That is a tragedy. Because in this episode alone, we have two people who would make excellent Canadian late night talk show hosts. Right? Me and Alana Harkin. Oh, wow. The patriarchy is real. It is, but that's not the point, Diana. The point is that some adorably nerdy but attractive enough for television person needs to get a show and explain how the Canadian Senate works and make it funny. If you're TV exec listening to this, you may not think it's possible, but trust me, it is. Not right now, because I have to look up how the Canadian Senate works, but give me or Alana or hell, both of us on the same show, a chance to write jokes about the upper house, and you'll be rolling in the aisle with Canadian Screen Awards poking you right in the back. Please, gods of Canadian television, let Canada have a late-night talk show and make it soon. Like Elena said, we don't want to be doing this when we're 82. God, no. I plan to be a Canadian senator by then. <laughs> nice one, Steve. No, I, I'm not joking. If I'm going to be a senior citizen not doing much of anything, I want to be paid for it. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And now back to our boat chat with Alana Harkin, which is already making me motion sick. I've got a section called Quick Questions. Quick Questions. And we're just going to ask a few quick questions and then then we'll segue to the next get. Uh, Here we go. Who would win in a fist fight between Samantha B and John Oliver? Uh, oh gosh. Neither of them? <laughs> <laughs> they would declare it a draw? Is that what would happen? Or? Oh. I can't I can't picture either one of them throwing a punch. They would just give up. Yeah, no way. <laughs> and so I I don't know. I think that they would yeah, they would call it a draw. That's funny. What is the biggest difference between New York and your alma mater of York University. Oh, come on. Yeah, come on. What's the biggest difference? Oh, gosh. I don't even know how, what to, um, the biggest difference, I guess, would be the bagels, I think, might be better around York University. Ooh. <laughs> oh, that's, that's controversial. shots fired. That's shots fired. Yeah, I thought you were going to say New York for sure, but for no, bagels. No, no. Everybody knows that I, I do not like New York bagels. Mm-hmm. I am a strong... I have brought St. Peter bagels to to work to prove everybody wrong, <laughs> but they it was really only Sam and I who ate who all the bagels. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think it is that Americans don't use the letter U in as many words as Canadians do? Oh gosh. Why do they have Fahrenheit? Why mm-hmm. do we you know what I mean? These like, are all good. When questions. I there's a Because America, Steve. (laughs) That's my answer. But but it's called... There's no you. There's no you in color. (laughs) I don't even know how to say that. Clear? Clear? (laughs) Clear? That's the greatest answer. What's the best piece of advice you can give to aspiring Canadian comedy writers? Do your research. I'm going to have to expand on that a little bit. Like... Just go for it. Like, I know that sounds really nerdy, but if you want to do something like write stuff, reach out to people, know who you're reaching out to. I think that that's very, very important to know exactly who you need to send the exact thing to. So a lot of it involves not just, of course, the writing, but in the business of it and figuring out who's who and who. And if someone doesn't respond to you and doesn't get back to you, it's absolutely not personal. And it's okay to follow up like three times. Like it's okay to keep following up because that's one thing that has really hit me from living here 
is that people do not like they know there's like no shame. There's just like, <laughs> did you read it yet? Did you do it? Did you read it? Did you read it? Did you read it? Did you read it? Did you? Am I like, yeah, okay, I'm reading it. <laughs> you know, whereas I so I think that yeah, it's just being aggressive as much as you can. And then at some point you do need to sit back and go, okay, universe, let's you you play out the rest because I've done everything I possibly can. Well, that's great advice. I hope Diana's following it because that is where I fall down is following through. If I call someone and they don't call me back, then they're dead to me. And that's why Peter Mansbridge will never be on this show. <laughs> I think probably the 11,000 emails you have unread, Steve, are all just people reaching out, asking for comedy <laughs> advice. <laughs> answering, answering my emails. And then I don't answer their emails and that'll show them. Well, now you can just say, you can send them to me. Just go, go ask, go ask my Alana. friend, Elena. <laughs> I will send. <laughs> What's her address? Somewhere in the sea. It's a sea mail. Send her a sea mail. <laughs> no, Put a note there we in go. a bottle. All right. Last two questions. And then we get to our, uh, our other featured guest today. Please, Alana, please complete uh, this fill in the blank. The Canadian star system is. Waiting to happen. Great answer. Great mm. answer. Diana's nod of the head. That's me know that that will be on the next show promo. And being the next door neighbor to the United States is like. Oh, my gosh. Is knowing that you have all the great secrets and you have all the great food and you have all so much, so many awesome things. But your neighbor is has their head up their own ass so far that they just don't come over and say hello enough. <laughs> and if they did, they would get the better bagel. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, that was great. That was great. Alana, thank you so much. We're, you're not going anywhere. We're just going to no. have you introduce the next guest. But thank you so much for your insights already today. And now if you would do us the honor, please, of introducing your featured guest that you brought. I met Leslie Hampton, who is a Canadian fashion designer in I think it was 2017. It was my first Emmys that I was going to where I was nominated. I really wanted to wear something Canadian. I felt like this isn't, you know, an opportunity to 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 shine a light on a Canadian designer if I'm going to be on a red carpet. I think that honestly Leslie had just like within a year or so had graduated from George Brown. But, you know, she showed me a few things of her. And I'm like, what? They were so incredibly, like, just blew my mind. You know, first of all, I, you know, Googled and found out who she was and found out that she was also an Indigenous designer. So that, you know, all of a sudden, there's multiple layers of the awesomeness of Leslie Hampton. And so she kind of refitted a dress that she had that she had had and made it exactly for me. And I don't know anyone who's been to an award show. I've been to many at this point. You are so uncomfortable. It is like <laughs> triple spanks, bras that are too tight. Like everything feels awful. And Leslie made this dress that like I, I had not like I think I actually had nothing on under me. But um, it was just like a glove. And I looked amazing. And the other thing that was incredible about Leslie, which just spoke to me personally, was that it wasn't, you know, yes, it's she's a designer and she's making cool stuff and she's, you know, has an incredible eye. But there was a whole other layer of like, I created this collection because this is what it represents. And also she had told me at the time that she was kind of discovering who she was as an indigenous person and that she wasn't brought up with her culture and correct me if I'm wrong, 
Leslie, but that, you know, I felt as a Canadian who was constantly asked, who are you as a Canadian? In meeting Leslie, I feel like she, it wasn't just about a dress. Like, I feel like she opened my, my, my brain exploded. Hmm. It wasn't just about a dress. It was a whole thought process that I didn't even know was capable. Cause I'm just, I'm not in the designing world, but I get how we as writers and, and creators come to our work in, in a similar way and such incredible depth. And then you try on her clothes and you're like, and I feel like a million bucks. So I know this is the longest intro and I'm sorry, <laughs> but obviously I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan. Without further ado, Leslie Hampton. Yay! Hi, everybody. Hello, Hi, Leslie. Leslie. You know, we have a lot of glowing introductions on this show, but that may be the glowingest introduction we've ever had. How are you feeling? <laughs> I feel incredible. It was a great intro and it's just been a whirlwind ever since dressing Alana. Now, we've got a lot to cover because as Alana said, you do much more than design dresses. There's a story behind everything you do. In addition to the fabulous Alana Harkin, who's introducing us today to you, you also were recently endorsed via Instagram by Lizzo. Now, Lizzo is not eligible to be on this show because she's not Canadian. So I will probably not get a chance to ask her this question. So let me just ask you, why are men great until they got to be great? <laughs> I think I'm still figuring that one out for myself. <laughs> Fair enough. I'm, uh, I, I love that we are surrounded by powerful women in this interview. Can you just talk to us a little bit about, let's get a little bit of light on George Brown College. Uh, Alana sent a shout out to that, uh, Toronto's George Brown College. You went through the fashion program there and you still support your alma mater uh, all the time with funds and with different kinds of support. So talk a little bit about George Brown, if you would. Yes, absolutely. So prior to George Brown, actually, I went to the University of Toronto for art studio and art history. And I noticed that all my artworks were all revolving around the conversation of what you put on the body and what that can represent. So it was just a natural jump over to George Brown College and their fashion techniques and design program to really learn how to do all the aspects and avenues of the fashion industry. And I actually started my brand the first week that I started George Brown, just because I had the vision and the messaging of who I wanted to be and what I wanted to represent as a fashion brand. And I was really just too eager to start. So I took what I was learning in school during the day and brought it to my fashion collections in the evening time. And then within the first three months, I released my first collection and that was picked up really, really well. And then I think it was about a year to a year and a half later that I met Alana. You're doing things too quickly, Leslie. Can we slow down a little bit here? <laughs> Canadians are supposed to wait till the system has a chance to shut them down, to tell them all the reasons that they can't succeed. We've been talking about this. Uh, and here you are. You enroll in the program. You start your own brand immediately. And before the end of the program, you've already got your successful line going. Very un-Canadian, Leslie. Come on. <laughs> I uh, actually grew up internationally, so maybe that has something to do with it as well. I ended up moving around a lot and I identify as a third culture kid. So I think it was just that mentality of doing what I want and figuring it out along the way might might have benefited. Well, let's talk a little bit about that bit of a nomadic background. You've been you spent time uh, in England, Indonesia and in New Caledonia. And for those of you who don't know where New Caledonia is, neither do I. First of all, <laughs> where is New Caledonia? And secondly, how do you think that that experience of all this international travel, how has that shaped you? 
Yeah, New Caledonia is an island like Fiji off the coast of Australia along the same fault line. And it's French speaking. So when my parents moved there, I actually ended up in boarding school in Australia because that was the closest English speaking place. So I had a really great mix of all these different cultures and backgrounds to learn from and and experience at such such a young age. So you had a chance to learn French and you uh, didn't? Yeah, I don't like the fact that I did that now. As a Vancouverite born and bred, I completely understand. Yeah, yeah. I think we're all on the same page now. (laughs) As Alana was mentioning in her introduction, your indigenous roots, your indigenous background comes through in everything you do and especially in your fashions. Can you talk a little bit about why that's so important to you and how that's being celebrated, which is so great? Mm -hmm. I always knew that I was indigenous and I always identified as being indigenous. But it was really hard to learn about those teachings and that background when I was growing up internationally. So I really learned about what it meant to be Indigenous from Canadian media once I moved back. And I really didn't enjoy what was getting put out there. It just blew my mind that it was so incorrect to the the people in the community that I learned from when being back in Canada. So that kind of pushed towards this notion of representation that I wanted to Put out into the world and have that authentic representation actually show who we are as Indigenous people and who we are in modern day society and how we fit into that. And that's really kind of been a, a pillar that I've pushed for in the fashion industry and, and in any other aspect that I do. What is the main thing that Canadian media is getting wrong? A lot of it and the stereotypes that I always put that, okay. that I would see in the news and there wouldn't be any never saw any news stories that were celebrating Indigenous people. It was always negativity and, and struggles that Indigenous people have from colonization and aspects like that. So I just wanted to put a shift in the representation. And by being in the fashion industry, at least I could do that within my within my industry. I think it's it's so true that there's just not there hasn't been for so long positive representation of the Indigenous communities in Canada. And I'm hoping that that's shifting a little bit. I think part of the, you know, the Black Lives and Indigenous Lives Matter movement has started that tiny push towards a a more positive narrative. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. And entities like Indigenous Fashion Week Toronto or Vancouver Indigenous Fashion Week really putting Indigenous fashion on the forefront and showing how amazing our designers are. But then also with TV shows like Trickster, and having an all-Indigenous cast like that is really showing that more authentic representation and what we and who we are as people. I love that you noted that series. My friend Craig Lozon had a starring mm-hmm. role in that series. And unfortunately, you know, it only had the, the one season to shine with everyone because of an issue with one of the producers and questioning of her Indigenous roots. And it's a big story in Canadian media. Do you hope that we get to a point where you're, I mean, you're celebrating your indigenous culture. Do you hope we get to a point where people just say, you know, this is an indigenous cast or whatever, but it's, you know, everyone on here is talented. It's not just because it's an indigenous production that you should watch and we shouldn't be tracing the roots with a fine tooth comb of everyone that's involved with the production to get something made. Do you have an opinion on that? I think that for Indigenous people, it is so we hold so dear, like who your community is and and that that group of 
who you belong to and who claims you as a community. So that is something that Indigenous people, I think, are always going to to share or or expect to hear when we talk about ourselves and introduce ourselves. But I think with a show like Trickster, we need to have that highlight of Indigenous talent that is so strong and have more shows like that before we start kind of evening out and focusing on the talent of the individual. I think that representation is so important first and foremost before we look at the the balance and make those shows more balanced for everybody as a whole. Yeah, you know, there's enough challenges in Canadian, as we spoke about in our interview with Alana, about getting Canadian shows made, It that it is a miracle that it happens. And then there's another layer of the Indigenous culture in Canada facing mm -hmm. additional challenges uh, in an industry that already faces challenges. So I certainly do hope that that show has opened up more opportunities for uh, more shows like it, just as you are opening up opportunities with your self-named fashion line. And I do find this fascinating as well, that you are also a model yourself. Is that, do, do I have that right, Leslie? Yes. I, uh, in 2017 or 2018, became a side model with BNM Model Management. And again, I just wanted to do that to increase representation for a curvy body shape for an Indigenous body in the fashion world as much as I can. Well, can I just say that we were commenting because we had some challenges with the video feed at the beginning of this, and your freeze frame is better than most people's best glamour shots. So you, uh, of course, of course, you're in modeling and well, you should be. Let me ask you this. As a designer, do you think it's an advantage to also be a model because you can actually showcase your own items? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely an advantage. But I think seeing both sides from the designer point of view, creative point of view, and from the model point of view, what goes into creating that campaign shot or lookbook image that that is put out into the world. I, I think having both experience on both sides is really important for me to continue growing as a creative and, and understanding how to further shift the industry. And in addition to bringing light to Indigenous issues and paying homage to everywhere that you've come from, you're also a huge advocate and your company is now an advocate of mental health issues and mental health awareness. Mm -hmm. How big a role do you think that fashion can play in that? Oh, I think fashion's huge for mental health. It's such an intimate experience for someone with their clothing. It's the first decision we make at the beginning of the day and possibly the last we, we make in the evening. So it's so intimate for an individual that I think the way the fashion industry can either positively or negatively direct an individual will really affect their mental health. And as a designer, we're given such a platform to possibly change that narrative and I think that the industry is changing a little bit, at least since when I started in this crazy fashion world. It is shifting, but I think there is still a lot of work to do to include everybody in the fashion space and even on the same rack in a department store even. While you're doing all these things right, everything's coming from your own talent, your own ambition. In the midst of all this, some big shot, some big shot from New York who claims Canadian heritage calls and asks about wearing your dress to the Emmys. Uh, did you think it was a prank call at first or how did, how did you react to that? At the time, I think I was just a few months into Gail McInnes's stylish showroom. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't think it was a prank call, but I was really kind of, my mind was blown out of the water with having the opportunity to 
not only dress Alana, but be able to dress her at such a U.S. and internationally seen event and to be able to put a piece together that she did feel comfortable in because I I can't imagine like the, the heat of the red carpet and all the interviews and the stress that you take on. And the last thing you want to think about is is what you're wearing and how to, uncomfortable you are. So to be able to put a piece together like that and share my brand was just so incredible at such a young age. And I wore you again. I wore the yeah. last Emmys, the 2019. I wore an incredible, like probably my favorite thing ever. It was a pair of shorts and a jacket that had feathers all over it. I don't think anything will ever compare to that <laughs> outfit. And also I had been biking like a lot. So my legs looked amazing <laughs> with these like, <laughs> with these white shorts. And yeah, so, and that, especially actually that outfit had a whole story about mental health as well. Right, Leslie? Every collection that I put out there, I either want to focus on a mental health aspect or a body positivity aspect. That collection was all around healing and doing those, doing those mm-hmm. things, putting those things in place to better your healing and to better, better your mental health. I love the different narratives. It's so great. The narratives that you're putting out and, and it really makes you realize how, how much fashion does dictate the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves because we're so mm-hmm. influenced by fashion mm-hmm. in so many different ways. And I love the fact that you're talking about mental health issues through fashion and that you're talking about body positivity through fashion. You're talking about indigenous issues through fashion. And then even slow fashion as well Mm -hmm. is also, I think, a necessary story that we need to hear. Absolutely. Yeah, I didn't as a brand, I didn't want to focus on the typical trends and things like that. I, I wanted my brand to be bigger and talk about bigger issues that I'm given this platform to actually talk about. And I just wanted to push that as far as I could, not only in this industry, but any other industry that I'm given space in. Leslie has such intention in her work. And I totally felt it. I completely like, I actually felt like a million bucks. Like, and I felt like the sort of, it wasn't just an outfit. Like I, and I, and I do, I do think that Leslie has inspired me creatively in terms of intention, because it is, what's the intention here? What's the, you know, and what's the learning? And I actually do truly believe as Canadians, we have a lot of learning to do. And I think that fashion is a great way to, to understand who we are, what land we're living on, the work we need to do, how to be an ally. While also looking great. <laughs> Showing like, up your games. So, it's, she's ruined me for future. Um, <laughs> like, I can't, I just can't wear a skirt again. <laughs> like, what does it mean? I can't wait to see her nautical line that you wear on I your do like boat. That. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. The, uh, that on the boat and everything. Yeah, the Leslie Hampton Aqua collection. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Let me just ask about can I ask a quick question about the manufacturing process? Leslie, are yeah. you able to manufacture your line in Canada or do you have to outsource it? So we have two main lines at the moment. We have our signature collection, which is evening wear and things like Alana has worn. Those we do make in our downtown Toronto studio, and they are made to order. The price point on those is a little higher than what people expect from fast fashion because they're used to getting 
an item for maybe under $100. So to be able to shift the perspective on what people expect from their fashion and what they expect to pay is really difficult for the Canadian fashion industry for designers who make locally. And then because of that, we also have an athletic wear collection that we do manufacture not in Canada and we import, but that is just because we have to keep up with the market and allow again to shift that perspective, but also be accessible for people's price points. But it is nice to hear that there is some manufacturing done in Canada. One thing that's come out during the pandemic that we uh, are hopefully very close to the other side to now is how much things are outsourced from here, Mm -hmm. uh, not just in fashion, but in (laughs) pharmaceuticals. And it would be nice to be able to make more things right at home for Canadians. Mm -hmm. And it would be nice for more of our talent to stay here in Canada. Otherwise, they feel they have to flee on boat. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Alana, do you have any uh, direct questions for Leslie? In terms of like, Leslie, you just won another big award recently, right? Mm -hmm. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I think it just happened like a couple days ago, right? Yeah, I actually got two awards last week. The first one was the the, uh, Canadian Arts and Fashion Award, the Fashion Impact Award. And that is awarded to a designer who made a shift in the industry, either conceptually or philanthropic. For myself, that was all uh, because of our Fall Winter 18 show where we uh, at Toronto Fashion Week, where we represented all Indigenous models on the runway in our garments and all Indigenous accessories. And that was really the first time in the last few years that that has been put out there in the fashion world and what that means and what that representation can actually do to the Indigenous community and actually help them perhaps with harm reduction or suicide prevention to see themselves in such a grand space like fashion. Then I also received the Youth Award for the Inspire Awards, which is for Indigenous Excellence. Wow. I just don't think of you as a youth, given all your accomplishments. That's the issue. You've done, again, you've done it so quickly, Leslie. And it's always inspiring to me when people don't wait around, don't just sit there and talk about changing the system like I do every day, but they go out and and actually do things. So congratulations on your most recent awards. And thank you for bringing those up, Alana, and out-researching me on my own show. Thanks again. <laughs> I do have a question for okay. can I right. Can I ask? So I, it's a two-part question. What do you find is really working in the industry for you? Like, what have you found that is really like, oh, I wasn't expecting this to be the doors to be open here? Or, or what sort of makes you feel like, okay, I can stay in Canada I can be very successful here. And then the second part is what would you love to see change to really like make a big dent? Because the thing mm-hmm. is that you're, you're an incredible artist and you and I have talked about this before, you know, we can all make art, but we also need to make a living. Mm-hmm. Is it representation in the stores? Like what is the next part? So I guess what the first thing is like, what's really working for you and what do you want to see change? I think what has worked for me in the last few years is just because I'm so naive to the industry and because I'm young, I think I I can do these major things that haven't been approached yet. So (laughs) I'm just going to go out there and do it and it seems to work out some most of the time. But the change that I want to see is really just allowing space for all of us in these big department stores or big mainstream fashion events 
it's often always such a, like a subculture to make indigenous fashion, but why can't indigenous people just make fashion? And I really want that to be the next step to where we're going and have all the sizes on the rack. That's like the major thing for me is to ha- not have plus size people have to go into the back of the store to the plus size section and be like hidden in the back. Why can't we all take up space on the same clothing rack? Love That's that. That's a great answer, isn't it? Love <laughs> That's that. That's a perfect mm-hmm. answer. Uh, the only other award I was going to bring up was that in 2018, you were officially recognized as a mogul recipient by the city of Toronto. So I'm speaking to an actual mogul. I don't even know what that means. What is a mogul? Do you only get to hang out with each other? I'm full of questions. What does it mean to be a mogul? Yeah. So the city moguls was an award for people who shifted the industry. And it was an incredible night of celebration of all of our talents. And I was a designer in it, but there was also chefs and Fortune 500 people. Uh, so it was a really vast shift, uh, vast range of, of individuals who were celebrated. And we do networking events within our within our mogul community. And it's just a really great thing to be a part of and be inspired by all these other people doing incredible things in their industry. I think my ship has sailed. I'm becoming a mogul. I'll just try to change that into a different. <laughs> I can become a gullum, which is just a guy that looks kind of like a gullum. We're going to try to wrap it up. My last question. We talked about slow fashion with Diana. Say, and this is a hypothetical question. Say it was a man's wife's birthday today and he went on to LeslieHampton.com. Is there a, a same day option? Is there a quick option you could get for a man that hadn't remembered to get a birthday present for his wife as of yet? <laughs> we do have a section on our website for pre-made items that we've just manufactured along the way or they're sample items. So those are quick delivery. But again, we're we're made to order. So a lot of the time we have to wait for our our items. I totally understand that. I will totally just for the research sake, I'll just go have a quick look at that. <laughs> Leslie, thank you so, so much for being a part of this. And Alana, thank you so much for introducing us to Leslie. Yeah, she's a superstar. Was I right or was I right? So amazing. (laughs) So amazing. (laughs) Alana, thank you so much for taking the time with us today, even from the sea. Thanks for doing Canada proud down there in New York and blazing a trail in so many different ways for Canadian comedians and especially for the lady comedians out there, of which I am not uh, one, but Diana is. And uh, I hope that you two get to work together again soon because I think amazing things would come of that. Thank you so much. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks, Leslie. It was great to see you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate and review this episode wherever you get your podcasts. The Canadian Star System is produced by Diana Francis and Steve Patterson in association with the Apostrophe Podcast Network. If you'd like more information on today's guests, please visit our website at canadianstarsystem.ca where you can find links to their work and their socials. Speaking of socials, you can follow at CanadianStarPod and at ApostrophePod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. Our editor and sound technician is Donovan Deschner of Fracture of Femur Productions. Music by Mark Camilleri of Imagine Sound Studios. Special thanks to Terry O'Reilly, Debbie O'Reilly, Callie O'Reilly, and Nancy Patterson, who is an honorary O'Reilly. And since we're doing such a good job of listening to the credits, there's a bonus clip for you after Steve sings us out. So give it up for these good notes, because our self-promotion sucks. And
Canadian star system. I'm in awe of the fact that this entire time you've been on a boat, Alana, not even a little bit of barf. Like I would have <laughs> thrown up so many times just in this interview. I probably need to, but I just don't have time. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I don't have time. He's got time to barf. No, when you're no Alana time Harkin. to barf. The Alana Harkin <laughs> autobiography. No time to barf. I got to produce a late night show from a boat out in Charleston. I don't have time to barf. <laughs> I love it. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.